Hi, friends. Welcome to Rainbow Parenting, where we talk about the intersections of queerness, transness, and childhood. I am your host, Linz Amer. Today's episode was recorded live from Los Angeles. We went to Junior High LA, which is this really cool queer-owned indie venue in Los Angeles, and I got to talk to Megan Townsend from GLAAD. We really, really dug into kids and family programming in mainstream media and how Glad and Megan has really seen that grow over the last decade of her work at the organization. We got into a lot of stuff, including the legacy that Glee has left the same-sex parent episode of Postcards for Buster from back in the 90s that uh, really put everyone into a tailspin in the industry, all the way up through more modern iterations like Steven Universe and She-Ra, Princesses of Power, and now with the new Nimona movie that's going to be coming out soon. So we really covered a lot of ground. I'm so excited for you all to listen to this conversation with me and Megan talking about GLAD's work and her work at GLAD and uh, what the kind of state of queer and trans representation in animation is right now and in kind of pop culture in the context of the political climate that we're in right now. Quick, quick business for you. Obviously, the Rainbow Parenting book is out. If you haven't grabbed your copy right by now, please, please do. If you like the podcast, you'll love the book and you can get it at wherever you like to get your books. My personal favorite is bookshop.org or your favorite local indie. I am still on tour for the book. When you're getting this in your ears, I've just landed in San Francisco after a wonderful stint in Chicago. So if you are in San Francisco or the Bay Area, I have events at Blackbird Books. I'm also doing a bunch of family performances with Out and About Bookshop at the Discovery Museum, at the JCC. So please check that out. I am beyond stoked for these events. After that, I have one event in Boston at All She Wrote, which is a awesome indie bookstore in the Boston area. And then I'm going to wrap up the tour in New York City. I've got an event at Blue Stockings and then a bunch of family performances with Emmett Theater and the New York Children's Theater. I also have some events at the Children's Museum of Manhattan, and those are going to be an absolute blast. If I didn't make it to your city, don't you worry, I have a virtual event coming up on June 28th called Pride of Palooza. We did it back in 2020 and we're bringing it back this year. It's a celebration of pride for the whole family. I've got an incredible lineup of queer and trans children's musicians and performers, including Jules from Songs for Littles, The Alphabet Rockers, Julie B from Ants on a Log, oh my gosh, The Strawberry Ops, Banana Band, uh, who else? I've got some awesome, awesome, oh, Caitlin Becker, who you might know as Mika from Blippi. It's going to be incredible. I'm so excited. You can register for Pride of Palooza. It's going to be on Wednesday, June 28th. You can get the registration info for that on queerkidstuff.com slash live. If finances are a barrier for you for the $25 ticket fee, please email us business at queerkidstuff.com and we'll get you set up with a discount code. And if you're worried you're not going to be able to make the live stream on time, worry not. Anyone who has registered will have access to the recording after the event itself. So you can watch whenever you want at your leisure. 
5% of all ticket sales are going to go to one of my favorite nonprofits, Rainbow Railroad, which helps relocate LGBTQ plus people all over the world from unsafe environments. Again, if you want to register for Pride of Palooza, just head over to queerkidstuff.com slash live. You can also head over to the link on our bio on all of our social media accounts. All right, that's all the business. Let's get to my chat with Megan. Okay. Hello. We are at Junior High LA, which is a wonderful queer um, indie venue here in Los Angeles. I'm very excited to be here for the very first live recording of Rainbow Parenting, which is pretty cool. I am your host, Linz Amer, and I am here with Megan Townsend. Can you say your title again, please? Because I can't remember the whole thing. It's very long. Yeah, I'm Megan Townsend. I am GLAD's uh, Senior Director of Entertainment Research and Analysis. Excellent. A wonderful long title for a very important position. All right. And we are going to be talking about all things uh, research and analysis and kids and animation because Megan does some really incredible and vital work. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And hello. (laughs) Welcome. Um, And yeah, let's dig into it. So before we kind of get into it, um, can you tell us uh, your pronouns and how you identify? Yeah, uh, she, her, and I am uh, cis and bi. I also use queer for myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We love it. Um, And I I love to come to this work as like whole humans outside of what we do. So how are you doing today? Uh, I'm great. I'm very busy. I am planning for some uh, cross-country and international travel um, later tonight, so I'm ready to take a nap on a plane. Mm -hmm. I just arrived in L.A. like two hours ago, so I feel that. Did you look to the the left and see the Hollywood sign? Did you have your Miley moment? I was in a middle seat um, and was very squished. So there wasn't a whole lot of sightseeing on my flight, unfortunately. But uh, I'm here. I made it. And my circadian rhythm is very confused. But uh, we are here and we're having this chat. And it's Pride Month and we're queer professionals. And uh, that's just a busy time, right? Nevertheless, they persisted. Indeed. Okay, cool. All right, so let's get into it. Can you just give us like a a little bit more of like a broad overview of like what your position is, what you do at GLAAD. Yeah, absolutely. So for anybody who doesn't know what uh, GLAAD is, we are the world's biggest LGBTQ media advocacy organization. Uh, so we were, you know, founded in 1985 out of uh, a group who really kind of saw the really awful Uh, you know, coverage about the HIV and AIDS uh, crisis at that time and really saw and realized uh, the power of media to tell our stories, to make it uh, human to people, but also to let people know who didn't think that they knew uh, a gay or a queer person, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that we are out here, we're your friends, we're your family, you know us, um, and just, you know, put a face on this, what you know, at the time was very kind of scary, you know, numbers and and crazy misleading things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is where, you know, GLAD's uh, DNA is. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've been doing for, what, 38 years now? Yeah. Um, and 
you know, with my position and, and what I do, I am a part of our GLAD Media Institute, which we launched, I want to say six or seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where we kind of house all of our um, our education, training, uh, consulting, whether that be for, uh, you know, Hollywood projects or on you know, news media, mm-hmm. um, and also where we house all of our research, whether that be uh, entertainment-based research, which is what my team mm-hmm. uh, is responsible for, or whether that be things like our uh, accelerating acceptance report, which we actually just put out a new one this past week, mm-hmm. um, our HIV stigma survey, mm-hmm. our uh, advertising survey. There's a lot that is yeah. uh, coming out from our team, but that's all, uh, you know, underneath the GLAD Media Institute, and my job, um, which I have been at for 11 and a half years now, uh, it's, been, it's been a minute, um, is I am, uh, I and my team are responsible for GLAD's uh, Where We Are in TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, one of my favorite reports, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Just like, like a little bit of research nerdiness. Like, I, I, I love that report specifically that comes from Glad. I like watch for it every year. And you always have, well, and we'll get into this, but you always have a section on kids and family. And that is not true of a lot of this kind of research that comes out. So I always appreciate that because it's kids and family. People just like don't think about it a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our, our Where We Are in TV study mm-hmm. and our uh, studio responsibility index. So mm-hmm. those are our annual uh, studies on uh, inclusion in mm-hmm. film and in TV. Accountability, and, we love it. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> when we are, you know, doing those, we are looking at, uh, you know, multiple dimensions of identity. So we're mm-hmm. looking at uh, sexual orientation, gender mm-hmm. identity, um, race and ethnicity, disability, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these things to kind of get a full picture of who's, you know, whose stories are being told and where there mm-hmm. are, uh, you know, gaps of of people who are missing, who aren't mm-hmm. uh, who aren't being you know made part of the narrative. Yeah. Uh, so I'm uh, responsible for those, mm-hmm. and then when I am not doing that, uh, I do a lot of consultation with mm-hmm. um, with you know networks and uh, and studios on telling LGBTQ stories. Uh, you know how to do it right. What are the red flags? Mm-hmm. Um, but we sort of work at all uh, all points of the process. So sometimes it's somebody, you know, coming to us with just an idea that's not even too fleshed out yet, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then sometimes it's going in and talking to a writer's room or mm-hmm. or reading scripts or looking at cuts and giving notes, um, mm-hmm. all the way up through, uh, you know, kind of release and promotion and making sure that this mm-hmm. uh, great inclusive story. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know, gets out and gets found and yeah. and um, and seen by everybody who who needs to see it. Um, so in a small nutshell, uh, those are the big things that I do. <laughs> it's, that's nothing at all, right? <laughs> yes, I have so much free time. <laughs> Amazing. And it's like, it's not an important thing to be doing in this moment, right? Yeah, it's, it's a heavy time to mm-hmm. be... Um, you know, to be an LGBTQ person at all, but to be, you know, working um, at an LGBTQ organization and, uh, you know, having to um, 
in some ways have no choice yeah. to, uh, you know, to tune it off or or, or uh, turn out away from, you know, whatever nonsense is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very lucky that uh, we have, you know, an amazing, um, an amazing staff and a really great um, communications team who mm-hmm. are the ones who are really, uh, you know, working uh, on monitoring and, and responding to all that stuff in real mm-hmm. time. Um, and so, you know, thank God for them because uh, there are definitely some times where I'm like, I'm so happy that you guys are handling this and mm-hmm. I can just, you know, go over here and not have to yeah. um, have to engage or, or think about whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we can specialize. Yeah. yeah, I'm just over here in my little entertainment world, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to go tell, you know, a, a great story. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I think we, having been at Glad for so long, I think, you know, we are, um, I think we're in a, a really unique place right now mm-hmm. um, to, you know, of, of growth. We've been growing so... Yeah. It's uh, a small, scrappy team, too. Yes. We, uh, we look much bigger than we are. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I think we're in a, a great place of, of growth, and I think there's a lot of really exciting things coming mm-hmm. in, um, you know, not only in the verticals that, uh, you know, that I kind of work with, which is, yeah. is very uh, film and TV focused. I do do some other stuff, but it's, it's mostly film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we have our, uh, we have... Glad Gaming and and all the work that we're doing in that space. And, yeah, big um, growing space for yeah. that stuff too. And it's it's crazy when you look at um, uh, just how how big um, the uh, market is on gaming compared oh my to gosh, yeah. you know to other types of. I've been um, talking to so many people about the new Zelda game that come, came out. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing with gaming is that it's so personal to people mm, yeah. because you are, you know, playing POV. as this character, you're putting yourself into it. Yeah. But also, you know, for a lot of games, you're spending like 40, 60, Ew. 100 oh, hours yeah. with, mm-hmm. um, you know, with these characters. So we've started to see in the past couple of years a, a, a lot of kind of progress um, in that space. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that has been led by some... Um, some great people on our team, but uh, it was actually really exciting. We announced the other day uh, uh, through partnership with uh, uh, this company that you can, during um, during June, you can get Tell Me Why. Uh, you can download it for free, which is a, a game that won a Glad Media Award last year. It has a, um, has a, a trans band as one of the the main characters, cool. like main playable characters. I could like keep going on about games, but we're, we're here to talk about kids <laughs> <Yes>. and animation <laughs> and we're going to get into it. Um, so yeah, so thank you for the overview. Let's zoom in a little bit on kids and animation because that's what we're here for. And I want to just kind of like on a macro scale mm-hmm. because so much has changed in this sect of the industry in mm-hmm. terms of like queer and trans representation over the last decade that you've been at GLAD. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious about what that, what you've kind of like seen in that journey and also how GLAD's infrastructure has shifted in order to accommodate those changes. Yeah, um, it is a big question. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, one of them first and then the other one. <laughs> You know, I think, you know, you said the last decade, I would say it's even more really the past, like, 
six-ish uh, years. Yeah. So, you know, when you're when you're looking at inclusive uh, programming for kids, whether it be animation or um, or live action, kind of the first moment um, was an episode of uh, uh, Postcard from Buster yeah. about you mm-hmm. know these uh, these lesbian moms, and I believe it was two thousand four. Um, That's right. Yeah. And there was so much pushback that it... Uh, it was a big deal when that happened. Yeah, it, it kind of scared a lot of people away from, mm-hmm. um, from you know, telling stories in this space. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, um, you know, was the way for a long time. And I'm going to... I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. Please do. Uh, so I think really what, you know, started to make a change was actually not even in um, necessarily mm. programming for kids. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at the wider TV landscape, mm-hmm. um, something that is uh, just like sounds absurd to say in 2023 when we have so many of these characters mm-hmm. is that uh, it was a long, long, long time until we had LGBTQ like teenagers and young people on TV. So, you know, when I was growing up, not to date myself, but it was very, um, the, you know, queer characters that you would see were very much like um, in adulthood, like Mm -hmm. mid-20s and up. Yeah. They were kind of closeted. They went off to college, did their thing. Now they're living in a big city and now they can be out. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of like, you know, what I saw growing up was like, yeah. it's all adults, it's all adults. Yeah. Um, and really, uh, like 2009, we got Glee, and that was sort of the first time that we were getting, um, you know, not only just central, like, uh-huh. queer teens, but also a variety of different um, identities. So for all the, you know, good and bad of Glee, um, <laughs> yes. it was kind of this big moment. And even if you look back now, um, it was, uh, it got a good amount of pushback from people who were just like, uh, you know, about, um, Mm. about Kurt and about, uh, Kurt and Blaine. It was a lot in, in season one and two that people Mm. were, um, you know, uh, that were kind of putting out statements about like, Mm -hmm. they're trying to reach your, your children. Um, and it was really, Glee and the success of Glee because it was such a phenomenon because it kind of came up at the same time as social media. So all these, you know, little queer kids like myself who were in the Midwest and had Mm -hmm. nothing to, you know, nobody around them, nowhere to go. Now you had social media. You could get on, you know, LiveJournal, Tumblr, Twitter, whatever, Mm -hmm. and be like, oh my God, did you see Brittany and Santana? Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. (laughs) Um, But like, it became such a phenomenon (laughs) that it then, that kind of, um, you know, wave went out to other programming and then you started Mm -hmm. getting, um, uh, you know, Pretty Little Liars. And, oh, my God, yeah. Uh, it's so interesting because I never contextualize kids in animation with kind of like Glee and like the teenagers that we're, we were starting to see. And I also would even, I don't know if you would agree, but I would predate it with like Degrassi and South mm-hmm. of Nowhere as well. And these shows, were those, those were both out of Canada, I think. Yeah, there were kind of like, you know, these one-off things that were, yeah. you know, like those that were, you know, Canadian that weren't 
necessarily breaking through. In, Canada does some good stuff. They do have some good stuff. I gotta say. Um, <laughs> you know, but they like they hadn't broken through on that huge yeah, on that, phenomenon on level. And then you had sort of one-off characters mm-hmm. or you had things that were very um, uh, kind of sweep, sweep, kiss, mm-hmm. you know, type of yeah. thing. Um, and so this was the, you know, not maybe like the first first, but mm-hmm. sort of functionally the first time that like this was a main character. The story is going to go, you know, on and on and continue to explore. I mean, he's not just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a one-and-done episode type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think what we've seen, and to get back to the, the kids and, and uh, family yeah, discussion, the, uh, was... the lead to Steven Universe pipeline? <laughs> well, so, you know, what we've seen is that they started in animation with queer parents. Mm-hmm. So yes. it was like... The Postcards from Buster episode. Yeah. Um, Which, for context, was, uh, it was like a spinoff of, uh, Art of Arthur, Arthur yeah. that was live action, I believe, and real families would send in, like, videos, right? It's kind of like a YouTube, like, what It, it was YouTube, animated, right? but it had, oh, like, it a, okay. it had a, um, it did have, like, a feedback component, I think. Yeah, yeah, and there was a same-sex couple that was in that one episode, and that's why people, like, kind of freaked out. Yeah, so it, it aired on PBS. There was a um, uh, small but noticeable uh, outcry of saying, like, this mm-hmm. is a publicly funded um, channel and, you know, all of this. Uh, and so, you know, with that and then with things that came after that, even in the live action space, like with the Fosters, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of start with the parents. And yeah. then once people are, are on mm-hmm. board then you can kind of mm-hmm. move down. Um, yeah. And so that was, you know, with Glee being like, oh, we can tell queer teen stories and people mm-hmm. will love it, relate to it. This is not a risk. It's not harming us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a successful show, you know, yeah. um, successful, uh, you know, merchandise, making a lot of money for them. Yeah. And then everybody kind of, you know, jumped on it of mm-hmm. all these shows that followed that had... Yeah queer teens. Ooh, now, an audience for this. Yeah. Now it's like, this is why I'm saying it's like kind of absurd to say in 2023 that it's only been in the past, you know, yeah. like 12-ish years yeah. that we have had, you know, queer teen mm-hmm. characters because there's so many of them. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that was kind of the next step. And then we started having mm-hmm. that. And then really kind of 2015, 16, um, you know, you sort of got the first... Uh, the first sort of of moving, you know, that next uh, that next level. So you kind of started with, um, you know, the Fosters had Jude and, and yes. Connor kissing, and um, that you know became such like a big moment of him uh, trying to figure out, you know, his identity and yeah. how he feels. These kind of like co-viewing shows, right? Yeah. And so you, um, you know, you sort of have this first moment, and then. You know, it it works. People are mm-hmm. are accepting and uh, and uh, loving it. There was a huge Jude and Connor fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah. But so that's you know, that's when when more things started coming, and then mm-hmm. you have you know Steven Universe come out as sort of the big, mm-hmm. um, the first big uh, uh, kind of ongoing uh, textually. Uh, Queer characters um, that are, you know, um, that aren't 
uh, in a one-off episode that aren't mm-hmm. in a series finale, the way yeah. that some of the things, um, those Clear little moments later. that show. Yeah, so there was, there was all these kind of smaller moments mm-hmm. leading up to that in animation, but it yeah. was like either it was a one-episode a one thing um, or it was, uh, you know, in a, a series finale, so there was not mm-hmm. going to be any way yeah. to get more of those characters. And those things are you know, are great and important, and they were stepping stones in, yeah. um, in the progress, so they're worth mm-hmm. celebrating. Um, but then it was kind of like Steven Universe came in, yeah. had this amazing wedding, had, yeah. you know, the song uh, from Pearl about how, oh, how she loves her. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, you have that moment, and it does well. It gets a good reception, oh. the fans love it, and it reaches beyond, mm-hmm. you know, the audience who was watching Steven Universe or, or who would be kind of seeking out, yeah. you know, this kind of show in a way that then, you know, made it okay for everybody. Like, the first yeah. happened, it did well. Okay, we can all do it now. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, you had, uh, you had She-Ra and you have, mm-hmm. um, my God, just like the, the, the list goes on and on mm-hmm. up through, you know, like Owl House yes. and... Mm-hmm. Um, just all these things that again are getting uh, amazing reception from fans, and yeah. they're you know they're living for uh, for the Owl House and mm-hmm. for uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and mm-hmm. you know all these shows that are are telling these stories mm-hmm. and um, dead end. Yes, yes. So it's been uh, it's been a, a kind of quick shift in like yeah. the past you know six years where. Um, you know, you sort of had these two big front runners coming out with She-Ra mm-hmm. and with, with Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, has sort of led to where we're at now. But I think in terms of um in terms of, of Glad's work in mm-hmm. the um kids and family space, it does again go back to Steven Universe. So yeah. You know, we do our uh, we do our Glad Media Awards every year, mm-hmm. and we uh, were at a place where we nominated Steven Universe in Outstanding Comedy Series, huh. but it was like crazy because yeah. it's up against you know uh, all of these like adult yeah. uh, you know. I can't comedy. imagine what that would have been up against, like Broad City, like. Yeah, so it was just such like a, um, we were like, this is amazing. There's no way that we can't recognize it, but we didn't necessarily have, Mm -hmm. you know, a category that really fit it. Mm -hmm. So we we nominated it for that year because, again, we wanted to, um, you know, to draw more attention to it, to uh, kind of say that this is, start saying that this is a a priority and a place that we, you know, we want to see more growth in and and look at this great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will side tangent to say that I think that the best thing in the, uh, or the best part um, of the, you know, media awards is when we can shine a spotlight on something yeah. and get it, um, you know, get it more attention, get it renewed, get it, yeah. um, you know, a new audience who maybe mm-hmm. hadn't even heard of it, especially with how much 
content there is now. Oh my gosh, um, so much I know that I I <laughs> research it for a living, and I'm still like, That's I have so a list much. an arm and a half long of, oh of things to watch. The amount of TV you must watch. <laughs> um, but you know that that was like kind of this case with Steven Universe of yeah. like we can. You know, it was it was very successful on its own, mm-hmm. um, but like we can come in and and help, uh, uh, you know, put more um, more focus on it behind mm-hmm. it by you know saying like look how great the show is, yeah. and so you know the year after that we kind of looked at okay what is happening in this space mm-hmm. is there more coming is this a one off mm-hmm. kind of thing and so we. Um, you know, in 2018, we uh, we launched our um, Kids and Family Advisory Council because we, you know, we are not the um, the people working every day in this space, and so we wanted to bring in you know some experts to uh, really just talk to us about you know what are you um, what are you doing in your storytelling or or what kind of support would be useful for you or, uh, you know, what kind of resources do you need? What kind of, um, you know, hurdles are you running into that, that maybe we can help with all these mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, part of, uh, of forming this council and, and really saying like, this is a priority yeah. for us. We want to see more here mm-hmm. uh, was we in 2018 put on the first, um, uh, first ever uh, panel on LGBTQ representation at Kids Screen, mm-hmm. and then Kids Screen, just for listeners who are not in the yes. industry, <laughs> is a uh, trade publication and also a conference yep. that is very specifically for the kids and animation sector of the entertainment industry. Yeah, for all these executives to kind of um, you know hear and and learn about the space because for some of them it was very new. Yeah, um, and so you know we did this. Uh, we put on this panel, and and then um, you know, sort of the next step was that we added a um, a category for our Glad Media Awards mm-hmm. to specifically focus on you know kids and family programming. And we, the first year, were you know struggling to get to five, um, and literally the next year it was like we have to expand from five to 10 nominees because there's so much good stuff that it would be, you know, it would be ridiculous to mm-hmm. say that like, oh, these other things, like we just don't have the room. Um, you know, so we expanded from five to 10 and now uh, our most, you know, recent media awards that just passed, we now have three specific mm-hmm. uh, categories for, uh, you know, we have, um, Outstanding uh, kids and family programming animated, um, kids and family uh, live action, and then um, a category that is specifically for, uh, you know, programming for younger, um, yeah, uh, younger kids because it, it you know, similarly, similarly to that Steven Universe mm-hmm. against all these comedies uh, thing was kind of this. Uh, you know, we started to get some, yeah. you know, things like Gonzorella and stuff that yep. were like, yep. this doesn't really make sense to go up against, like, uh, uh, oh, they're going to, what is the name of that British show on Netflix? Uh, Heartstopper? Yes, thank you. Yeah. I was thinking Heartbreak High, and I'm like, that's <laughs> another show on Netflix. <laughs> uh, um, but it was like, you know, you can't put Gonzorella uh, up no, against no. 
start yeah. stop her and just it just doesn't make sense and as someone in the preschool space uh, primarily i so appreciated that when you were starting to do that and now some of my work has been glad nominated because of it the uh strawberry shortcake episode that i consulted on um oh, amazing was uh was nominated for a glad award in that category so congratulations small well, thanks <laughs> but that was like you know we we uh with you know, essentially launching kind of a, a new vertical within yes. our Hollywood work. Um, you know, we wanted to have all of these sort of, um, uh, you know, flagpoles in the ground of saying mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, we're talking to the people in that space. We are yeah. getting the feedback from, um, from the people who are doing this every day mm -hmm. of, you know, what do you need? We yeah. are, you know, appearing in the places that, the decision makers um, yeah. are at, and we're having, you know, conversations with them. We're working on all of these shows. We're then honoring the best that there is out there and kind of setting, um, you know, a standard to aspire to. People love to get an award. Mm -hmm. So if there is, you know, a nice little gold star to chase, yeah. it is it is a, a, a nice incentive for people yeah. to, um, you know, to continue to tell and in, invest in these stories yeah. beyond uh, you know, just um, doing the right thing, but also making money. Like there yeah. is this, well, this powers, nice gold star. The powers that be care about getting GLAAD awards. They do. And that in itself is important and a way that like a queer organization can wield an important power and like can have, I mean, that's the way that GLAAD's been able to influence the industry and like the way that things have been going, which has been for the most part expansive, I would think. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's been really cool to see those categories grow every year. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the same kind of patterns happen in each category too, because like as it's been expanding, I'm seeing in the preschool category, those kind of one-off episodes that are happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, okay, when's the bubble going to burst on that like one like trans-led preschool show that my manager and I are trying to make happen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I am a, uh, thank you for that wonderful overview. I feel like my like inner college student is like really having a great time right now in like the queer theory classes that I took in undergrad, which is like really where I started doing this work. Um, and See, like, I always got told that I should be a teacher. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Well, I remember in my like queer theory class, um, I did a paper uh, on the like queerness and like gender nonconformity of. Um, a couple of adventures, uh, a couple of episodes of Adventure Time. Oh yeah, um, and like that, and like Rebecca Sugar worked on Adventure Time, who then later created Steven Universe. And so, like the pipeline there is like pretty straightforward, right? Um, and so, yeah, I'm just kind of like my inner college student in that queer theory class is like geeking out about this conversation because I'm like, I would have quoted from this conversation if this podcast episode had existed. Well, I think too, like you know, when you talk about about Rebecca and that pipeline, like mm -hmm. the thing with both, um, with both Steven Universe and with, you know, she is kind of the two big ones that, yeah. that were kind of coming out mm -hmm. sort of a little bit of, of side by side. Yeah. Um, and were really overlap yeah. dominating the conversation in terms of, uh, you know, inclusion in this space. Mm -hmm. It is not an incident that those are led by, you know, queer and, and trans yeah. um, uh, teams and, mm -hmm. and creators who were able to not only, 
you know, tell those stories, get, you know, writers, get um, animation that, you know, works for different types of um, uh, bodies and, and characters, but who are also able to really, um, you know, talk about the storytelling and, and the impact and why, you know, this was so important. I think uh, Rebecca especially has had a lot of, um, like, really kind of... Uh, like hard-hitting quotes about, mm. um, you know, they do uh, not mince their words. Yeah, like teaching this next yeah. generation that, like, you know, you belong, you are loved, you are, mm -hmm. you know, fine the way that you are. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, Steven Universe, uh, I could fan roll all day, mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, did such an amazing job of uh, digging into like really adult and complex like oh, themes goodness. and trauma yeah. <laughs> but then also like you know telling it in a way that was, like, yeah, that was like um understandable and enjoyable mm -hmm. to you know people of all ages so i could watch that with my younger cousins mm -hmm. and we're both you know equally getting something out of yeah. it um but yeah i think that is you know it's, it's not an incident that like mm -hmm. uh this wave started once, uh, you know, LGBTQ people were were uh, being being put into uh, positions of of power and being able to, uh, you know, to uh, to make those calls and and advocate for uh, you know for their vision of of what they want to do with their show. Mm, beautiful. I am. I want to look a little bit at now. And what's happening now, because there's been so much for momentum and so much progress that's been happening. And I think something that stood out in your last report, though, where we are in TV report, mm -hmm. is that all of so many of these shows are getting canceled. Owl House has ended, which was kind of like the preeminent queer representation in kids and animation that's been having the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic and lockdown. So I'm curious about like what you're seeing happening right now and what you're looking at for content and representation in the like next like year or two of content. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's always a little bit different when you're talking about animation versus live action, right? Mm -hmm. Because animation takes so Forever. much longer to to oh develop God. and and draw and you know make it perfect yeah. before it comes out. So uh, you know, it's a, a little kind of not sure yet exactly yeah. when or if we'll see uh, you know impact from what's mm -hmm. sort of happening in uh, in live action with all these cancellations. Yeah. Um, because so much of what will come out, you know, this year, mm -hmm. next year, even potentially into 2025, yeah. is stuff that has been, you know, kind of getting done for the past two years. Yeah. Um, I'm like, even if I sell a show tomorrow that's animation, it's not going to come out for another, like, three to four years. <laughs> yeah. So, like, 2027 will be that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, so, you know, it is a, a little bit of a different world, but I think one mm -hmm. thing that, um, you know, that we have seen is, like, there are these cancellations uh, happening. We yeah. called it out very plainly. Yeah, in, you did. That was great. Um, in the report. Mm -hmm. But I think there is sort of two things to keep in mind about mm -hmm. that conversation, yeah. right? So, one, we are sort of where we have been in the past few years 
is, uh, you know, cancellations were happening, but we were getting enough new series ordered mm. that it kind of balanced out in mm. terms of, um, you know, it, it wasn't a, um, a significant uh, difference in percentages. It was like, okay, mm. we're losing this many characters, but, you know, we're getting this many yeah. new ones. So it was kind of... Um, you know, it was annoying for people who loved those shows, yeah. but it was like from a, a statistics sure. perspective, yeah. we weren't, um, you know, we weren't necessarily falling behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think with especially the past year and, you know, the way that uh, that media is consolidating so mm -hmm. much and so many of them are, um, you know, financially struggling as they try to make streaming profitable. Yeah. Um, is a uh, you know it's it's it started to be a place where we at least you know from what had been announced at the time that we put it out in the spring um, that we were you know not uh, getting enough new ones to mm -hmm. uh, new characters to offset what yeah. we were losing and so um, you know we always uh, are looking very closely to see, yeah. you know, what's coming out of, of upfronts and out of mm -hmm. uh, TCAs in August and, you know, all these places that they are um, normally announcing things. We also have the writer strike going on right now. Yeah. So in terms of statistics, we don't know when some of those shows yeah. will be coming back. They it's might be skipping. time to be in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> like they may be skipping, you know, a year, maybe even two in terms yeah. of the way that our... Um, our research period falls. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing that I will say is um, when our stories are told and they are fully supported mm -hmm. with, you know, marketing and, and promotion and, yeah. um, uh, you know, brand behind them, they do amazingly. <laughs> like, look at The Last of Us. Look at yeah. Yellow Jackets. Look at... So uh, you know, pose, all these things that mm -hmm. are um, consistently, like, breaking records on... Our flag on death. Yes, yes. League of their own. Yeah, like, that are, are getting um, critical acclaim, but are also, you know... They're having like, cultural moments. Yeah, they're, but they're, uh, in terms of people looking at a bottom line in mm -hmm. business, they are getting viewers, they are driving uh, conversations, they are, um, you know, in some of those cases, they're the flagship show like mm -hmm. the last of us is hbo's oh gosh, you know biggest yeah. property huge stranger things is netflix's yeah. biggest property mm -hmm. um so you know when our stories are told and they are fully supported they're you know marketed they're pushed out they yeah. are um you know given a full uh uh wraparound campaign yeah um they are successful so it's not that yeah. cancellations are happening because you know these shows are are bad or nobody's interested or anything like that, it is, you know, I, I will uh, guess as much as I can without being in those rooms, but it is like, um, you know, money. It is uh, where, where is their focus going? And that's been kind of, um, you know, one of the issues that, that, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, talk about the writer's strike is that mm -hmm. there's not transparency mm -hmm. from, um, from streaming companies, and they yeah. often have also changed their algorithm and changed, uh, you know, the metric that they were uh, that they were 
you know, chasing. Mm -hmm. So you could kind of try and guess and, and figure it out and be like, okay, you know, this service cares about total watch time and how many hours people sat and watched it in the first, you know, 30 days. And then, A, every streaming service is different in what their metric is that they yeah. care about. But then it would also start to change of like, okay, we care about the first 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And we count people who watched the first two minutes as mm. having watched it. Yeah. So because there is no, um, you know, transparency uh, across the board, it's hard externally to see and, and you know, be able to make a case to say, no, look, it was, you know, popular. Yeah. Um, but also as a creator, it's hard for you to be able to get yeah. a sense and, and fight for, uh, you know, fight for what you're doing. So that yeah. is part of... I can see, like, what's uh, trending on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's all these ways that, you know, people have, um, that we have and, and other people have gotten to, uh, you know, kind of, of uh, talk about success of a show, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not all just ratings or... Um, so it's not all just ratings or viewership number it's also um critical acclaim it's mm -hmm. awards it's uh you know is it sparking new conversations is it bringing in new audiences mm -hmm. who are not watching other things on that channel mm -hmm. who are now coming to you know tune into this and we yeah. can reach a new audience uh and let them you know know about uh what, are, what other programming we have so that we can keep them coming back for something else now that they mm -hmm. love the show that we have. Yeah. Um, so there are all these ways to talk about the success of a show. And I think all those things are, you know, are yeah. absolutely important. Um, but because it is a little bit diffuse, mm -hmm. it is hard to sometimes be able to make an argument yeah. with all of those things. Because it's like, no, if you, if you zoom out and you look at the full picture, you'll see how successful this all is. Yeah. But if people are looking at just one metric and you mm -hmm. don't know what the metric is, yeah. it's like you're kind of in the dark being like, I think that this matters. Thank you to the .gay domain for sponsoring this episode. Have you ever wanted an online identity that accurately reflects who you are? Well, look no further because .gay is here. The new .gay domain extension sponsors today's episode, and we are so excited because they are offering free .gay URLs for our listeners. The .gay domain is committed to providing a safer internet for LGBTQ communities by banning and taking down hateful sites. They also donate 20% of revenue, not just profit, of new domain registrations to LGBTQ organizations. So not only can you get an online identity that represents you, but you can also contribute to great causes. Since launching in 2020, over 18,000 individuals, organizations, and businesses have registered a .gay domain name. But wait, there's more! Head over to www.rainbowparenting.gay and get a free .gay domain name of your choice for your own website or brand, courtesy of their registrar partner, Porkbun, for one whole year. Now, isn't that something? Again, that's www.rainbowparenting.gay for a whole free year of the domain name of your choice. It's time to stand up for LGBTQ plus communities. Show your support with a .gay domain name and help change and create a more inclusive and safer internet. I know we definitely need that. .gay because .com is just not gay enough. 
And it's so interesting to talk about it in the context of kids in animation because it's, uh, it's part of the industry that is pretty siloed. And thinking about like, okay, who's watching these shows and how are they being marketed? It's such a different thing to do that for kids in animation because you're you're marketing to parents always, but you're wanting the kids to watch them. But also you can't like really gain the metrics on like how many young people are like watching a show because they're not in control of their Netflix account, right? So I, I mean, that's something as like an independent kids creator, I've been like, how do I know who's actually watching it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing that we talk about a lot is um, how big and how passionate of an audience mm-hmm. LGBTQ people are. And, you know... Hungry. It's a hungry audience. Yes. We, if you... Um, we will follow you forever. So all yeah. of the actresses who were playing queer when I was growing up, mm-hmm. I'm like, I will watch all of your stuff forever. Like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Absolutely. Looking at Jennifer Beals. Like... <laughs> yes. Like you made a whole career out of lesbians following you. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, like, once we, you know, are in with you, we are ride or die for life. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when you don't cross us. Yes. That has happened. <laughs> uh, but, you know, looking at um, uh, especially, uh, you know, younger parts of the community. So, if you're looking at Gen Z, which are, you know, kind of the, um, the youngest ones that are, you know, able to be kind of mm-hmm. surveyed and everything everywhere. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, it's, you know, one in five mm-hmm. uh, members of Gen Z in America yeah, are LGBTQ. Are yeah. And, um, you know, these are, are, I think when people hear Gen Z, they think mm-hmm. like teenager. But the thing is, like, the oldest members of Gen Z are, like, early to mid-20s, yeah, getting out of college, college, coming into an industry mm-hmm. that is not necessarily ready for them, doesn't have the tools, um, especially yeah. as you know, so much of the the change that we're seeing is in moving beyond binaries, whether that be mm-hmm. in terms of um, in terms of gender or whether that be in terms of uh, of orientation. Mm-hmm. But if you are, you know, you got out of college, you get your first job at a studio and you come in, you know, on the first day and you have to like fill out all your paperwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the intake uh, system only lets you mark male or female yep. kind of thing. So there's just all these little steps, right, <laughs> that, like, mm-hmm. the industry is not prepared for in terms of, yeah. of um, just sheer logistics. Mm-hmm. But also there is a passion and an and expectation mm-hmm. uh, that, um, uh, you know, that they want to tell these stories, that they, um, they think that companies should be. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, uh, you know, research in terms of, of um, uh, people who think that companies should be, you know, supporting uh, the community, I think it was uh, like 70 percent or something in our yeah. uh, in our latest index about that. Um, so you see that, like, there is you know, passion and, and excitement out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of change happening as those people enter the industry, and I think we'll kind of see with, um, you know, with the writer's strike how things uh, sort of shake out in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, what is the model for um, for how to move up and advance in your, uh, in your career. So if you're starting mm-hmm. as a writer, you know, what 
kind of steps and, and success and number of jobs and all of that that you need before you can start moving up to, uh, you know, to a, um, a staff writer or a showrunner or mm-hmm. any of that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that is uh, where we see a lot of the kind of um, uh, funnels of power, I guess, coming yeah. is, you know, we, um, uh, two years ago in our, our Where We Are on TV, you know, we pointed out that there are just four producers who mm-hmm. uh, who account for... Uh, I think it was like 17% of all LGBTQ inclusion was on shows tied to these four, which was uh, Lena Waithe, Ryan Murphy, Greg Berlanti, and um, uh, Shonda Rhimes. Mm -hmm. And so... a lot of pressure on those producers. Yeah, so when you're seeing, uh, you know, people who are are prioritizing it, they are are making great, uh, you know, inclusive content. They are very successful. Yeah. They are also... They can only do so much. So, you know, a lot of what I do is, um, you know, working with different networks, different studios, different creators um, to try and change that so that it's not so dependent on either one person or on one show. Mm -hmm. So that if, you know, something does get canceled, it's not like, oh, now we have no no representation. I think we've seen that. Um, really heavily in the in the HIV space, you know. So we mm-hmm. had had Pose, and then when it got yeah, canceled, it like Pose, yeah. we had you know all of a sudden we dropped eight characters with LGBT. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, with we dropped eight characters with HIV, mm-hmm. um, and then you know the next year's report was like, oh, we have two characters, they've both been canceled. Yeah. So it was like, you know, that's um, that's another one of our our priorities right now, and we have an amazing mm-hmm. team. Uh, who does our um, our HIV stigma uh, mm-hmm. survey? But you know that's a, another thing of those verticals of putting all of the um, the kind of uh, flags in the ground on yeah. saying like, okay, we have a challenge in our reports to say this is a priority and and something that should be uh, you know a focus for you. We have people on staff who are uh, who are experts in storytelling, but also experts in Mm -hmm. this space and who know other experts. So Mm -hmm. if you need help on how to tell an HIV story and tell one that is, that is good, that is new and and different, because so much of those stories have been centered in, Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, trauma and death. Yeah. uh, Like we have people who can help you, you know, and that's our thing Mm with, um, uh, you know, with the reports is that they're sort of the, um, the starting space for those conversations because we're able to come in with with facts and and research about uh, you know about where your company or your network or your studio or whatever mm-hmm. um, is at and then you know walk the path with you yeah. and say you know we can help you we mm-hmm. um, uh, you know can help talk through ideas with you we can. Uh, you know, educate you on some of these tropes that you may not know about before you walk into them. We can, you know, talk to you about how to uh, talk about, you know, queer issues in your show in the media so Mm -hmm. that uh, when something comes out, it also is getting great press coverage and you don't have to worry about, you know, somebody who's not comfortable talking about the community accidentally saying something that keeps people from watching the show. So there's a lot of... um, 
you know, a lot of the reports kind of start that conversation with people of, mm-hmm. you know, let me tell you where everything is at. Let me tell you who's missing and, and what would be great. And we can kind of pitch you some ideas of like, mm-hmm. oh, it'd be really great if you had this character and they could do this and whatever. Um, or, you know, talking to them and saying like, what do you have coming up? Like, is there, you know, anything you want to talk to us about? Um, and so, you know, with all of that, like we are here to be a resource. Like we mm-hmm. want to, um, you know, we want to help you. We don't just yeah. sort of, uh, you know, smack you on the wrist when we do the report. Yeah, like yeah. we're here to, uh, you know, to talk to you about like, what are the opportunities moving forward? Yeah. How can we, you know, change? excuse me, how can we change for next year, for the next five years, for the next 10 years? Um, Especially like with our, uh, you know, Studio Responsibility Index, that was one that I, um, I was one of the co-creators of it because when I started at GLAD, we didn't have a a film report. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just, uh, in December, put out our 10th edition of that. Mm -hmm. And we're working right now on what is the next decade of, um, of, queer films, which film is in a a wild distribution place right now. I'm sure, I'm sure. But, like, those are the conversations that we're having in terms of, uh, you know, when the next report comes out, how are we, um, how are we evolving to meet where the conversation is, but also how are we, you know, setting, um, uh, you know, ways to move it forward so that in five years, ten years, 15 years, we're seeing, you know, more Moonlights, we're seeing more Mm -hmm. Booksmarts, we're seeing more Blockers and Love Simons and Eternals and Strange World and all these things. Um, So, you know, that's the the kind of conversation that we're having right now. Yeah, it's so interesting the way that you're kind of talking about this is kind of like revealing like the mechanism of progress for me a little bit of like it's not very nonlinear and this kind of like ascending spiral that I'm kind of hearing of like okay like someone breaks through and we can hold their hand and we can help them navigate that experience and like help bring a beautiful story which then that story affects the cultural zeitgeist and strips down some stigma and then another thing happens and then we can continue pushing and it just like cycles over and over again slowly moving upward in that progress i think that's just a really interesting way of thinking about we're not necessarily moving forward we're moving kind of like up in this interesting way that like backtracks and like goes back over a thing to like correct and like provide feedback and i think that that is such a more like nuanced and complex way of looking at like how we can continue to do better and how studios and the entertainment industry can continue to do better. And I think for me, feels hopeful, right? Of like, we're in this moment where it feels really hard, but like, we're just in that overlap period of like that moving upward and that that progress and that, yeah, nonlinear ascension to what we want to be, right? Um, and the stories we want to see told. So I'm, this conversation has been really revealing in that way. Um, I think it's hard to see, you know, the kind of cultural progress until you can look back from like mm-hmm. a 10 years later angle and you can see, yeah. you know, the impact of, of Glee like we were talking about. I'm sure in, you know, five or 10 years, mm-hmm. we'll look back and be like, okay, Pose was mm-hmm. what set off the next uh, sort of wave of, um, of growth in 
LGBTQ storytelling and and stories about uh, about trans people and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, people of color and people with HIV that like you know will kind of see the wave, but you have to get a few years past mm-hmm. it to be able to see like oh now I can backtrack and say like yeah. this link to that link to that link to that yeah. and you know I think one thing that um, I feel like was just chef's kiss of a, <laughs> uh, of a graphic that we did once was, uh, you know, when I started at GLAAD, we did not have marriage equality. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that we, um, that we, you know, were, were kind of always talking about a lot was the uh, growth in support for marriage equality. And so, you know, one thing that my team did uh, at the time was we put together a um, kind of infographic charting the percentage of support for marriage equality against the number of LGBTQ, you know, characters on TV. Mm. And you, they weren't like an exact match, but it pretty, it went pretty together that the more characters you started to have, the more people were saying that they supported marriage equality. There's polling from Variety a few years ago that um, that found that uh, people, um, people seeing an LGBTQ story uh, in this survey, that it was the biggest factor outside of personally knowing somebody who is LGBTQ uh, in their support mm-hmm. for the community. Yeah. So there is so much power in yes. these stories, not only for us as LGBTQ people to, you know, to see ourselves and to feel hope and to feel, uh, you know, possibility models and and all mm-hmm. of that, um, but you know how they're kind of impacting the. Um, the wider world and you know you were saying like it feels hard and, and yeah. dark right now yeah but i do you know want to say one thing is that like mm-hmm. you see you know so much of this um negative coverage and that is in re- uh in response to so much forward progress and so yeah. much great change and still it's a super majority of americans uh you know, say they support the community. Yeah, there's something that said like 70% recently. It's in the 90s. Okay, yeah, there was the the one on, like, ads, it being okay for, like, LGBTQ plus representation in ads, and it was, like, 70% of the country. Yeah, 73% feel feel comfortable. Um, uh, 73% of non-LGBTQ people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, feel comfortable seeing an LGBTQ character in storytelling and and advertising. Um, But when you take it out from that and say... Uh, you know, should we be able to just live our lives? You know, it's a, a huge supermajority of people who mm-hmm. who support us. Yeah. Um, so even though we are seeing this backlash and we're seeing these over 500 bills, you know, proposed, mm-hmm. um, they are not popular with people. They are not, yeah. uh, you know, well uh, well liked. And that um, is because of the exact work that we're talking about that destigmatizes that GLAD is doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that, um, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, is um, kind of using the community as a, uh, as a distraction or, or mm-hmm. um, for political points. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we are... Uh, that's the fight that we are 
in right now. And mm-hmm. and I think, you know, people have seen a lot of, um, you know, activity in that space and, and questions and, and pushback and support and all of these things. Um, but I do think it's important to also know mm-hmm. that, like, it feels heavy. It is heavy. Yeah, <laughs> and, for sure. And, you know, hard to deal with those things some days. But, you know, we're not... Um, we're not backsliding, you know, all no, the way kind of thing. So there is there is still hope out there. There is still progress. There mm-hmm. is still amazing things coming. Yeah. Um, I can't talk about a lot of them because I'm under NDA, but there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of stuff, uh, you know, that is is coming out and a lot of amazing um, projects in film and in TV and, um, and you know, books and, and podcasts. We put a, a podcast category in our our media awards last year so there's just so many outlets Mm -hmm. for storytelling now um and i think there's a lot of exciting stuff um you know coming so our job um or my job Mm -hmm. uh is to make sure that that you know keeps happening and that all of these um you know first first steps and and all that are leading to those mm-hmm. bigger steps. Yeah. Um, you know, like what we what we talked about with sort of yeah. those first little animated moments that then led to mm-hmm. Steven Universe. And so I think that's what we're seeing in a lot of yeah. um, a lot of spaces right now, but uh, especially in the you know kids and, and family space, uh, because there is this sense of um, of uh, fear. And that yeah. kind of needs navigated, um, and that is something that you know we we talk about a lot with people, yeah. um, and you know ways to prepare and and um, all of that, but also you know where your opportunity is mm-hmm. for um, you know for bringing in a great audience or for bringing in people mm-hmm. who uh, you know who may not be already watching your content. I do not have the facts and figures, but I'm sure that the Owl House brought in, you know, new viewers to Disney Channel who weren't watching all of their other stuff. Um, So, you know, a lot of of what I talk about with people is, you know, the the opportunity of how big the community is, how quickly we are growing and continue to grow, Mm -hmm. um, and, again, how passionate um, we are that, like, you know, if you make something for us and you, uh, you know, tell us about it, we will show up. We'll go to the theater. We will watch it on streaming. We will, you know, tune in. We'll tweet about it yeah. uh, for better or worse. And so there is, you know, a lot of um, opportunity to reach an audience that is not always being served. Yeah, I think especially in the kids and family space too. Like I see like so many people asking me for recommendations all the time of like just looking for something like what can I show my kid? And I think especially in the preschool space because there's so little, it's, uh, yeah, it's hungry, hungry audience. Yeah, I, um, I've i been to San Diego Comic-Con a couple of years and, and done, you know, panels. And mm-hmm. one thing that has 
kind of always come up all, every year. There is, you know, when it gets to the end of the panel and people can ask questions, there's always a parent who says, mm -hmm. what, you know, is out there for me to watch with my kids? And, you know, the first year that uh, I was at Comic-Con was like 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, you know, this person got up to ask the question, and they were like, we've seen Paranorman. We, yeah. uh, we watch it every week. We, we can quote it. What else is there out there, uh, you know, for us? And I was like, unfortunately, like, not a lot right now. That is not just, you know, a one-episode thing or, or dependent on the age of your kid. And um, it has been really great being able to go to those kinds of things, you know, consistently over time yeah. and get the question and be like, oh my God, I have, like, let me this, pull out this, a scroll. I have a list <laughs> for you, uh, you know, like 45 things long. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, we launched, um, uh, we have a partnership with Little B Books and we've put out, um, I want to say eight now, don't quote me on that. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, books for for kids that are yeah. a mix of uh, of stories about queer adults and and uh, you know queer um, kids and, and people who are just uh, exploring and history mm -hmm. and you know all these things. They've all kind of been um, uh, you know different stories and kind of different audiences, but you know all at this space of just making more things to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to have as uh, as options for you and and your family. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I could continue this conversation for many many hours, but I know you have a flight to catch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, maybe there'll be a part two of this episode <laughs> eventually. Um, but is there anything that we didn't touch on that uh, you think is an important part of this conversation that we didn't get to? covered a lot. The one thing on. that I will say is it's funny that you, you know, mentioned writing a, a paper um, mm -hmm. because that was actually how I found GLAD. I was in college and uh, I went to college in the Midwest and there was not any LGBTQ classes at that time, mm -hmm. at least not at my university. Um, and I was taking a class on uh, character archetypes and it was mm -hmm. like you can pick uh, two characters and uh, write an analysis of the um, the short form of storytelling that we do with uh, with people's faces and voices mm -hmm. and you know all those little things that we use to communicate who a character is yeah. outside of you know whatever their actual plot is and um, I again being a Midwest <laughs> musical nerd uh, of a certain age this was like I was in college when Glee came out. I did my paper on Curtin Blaine, oh and so when Amazing. I was doing the research for it, yeah. I found the Where We Are on TV report mm. and was like, oh my God, somebody cares about TV as much as I do mm -hmm. and like wants to talk about pop culture and queerness and all of this. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, mind blown. Um, and so that's always like a really fun thing for me now because I meet a lot of people who are like, you know, oh, I... I wrote about one of the reports in my school papers or I had somebody who said uh, that they, um, their uh, LGBTQ organization at their university like printed it all out and were reading it together and oh arguing God. about characters. And so I love all those little moments just because that was, mm -hmm. you know, how I found Glad. And then I followed on Twitter and was just like, 
this is amazing. They like all the stuff that is the intersection of pop culture that I care about, mm -hmm. but also, uh, you know, my community and, and yeah. doing good. Uh, and then, you know, I ended up being lucky enough to, to get a job and, and get to do this every day and, mm -hmm. and, you know, talk about that stuff and, and see the impact, you know, like we were saying of, yeah. of, um, progress earlier that it can be hard to kind of pinpoint exactly, yeah. you know, when something happens or what is the impact of, um, you know, some of these more nebulous things like yeah. going in and talking to a writer's room mm -hmm. and then you see something come out and you see people's reactions to it and they're like, oh my God, that was amazing. I loved this story and these characters and I'm just like, that was us. That was us. You know, like we didn't write it, but yeah, I was yeah. like, no, we we helped with that. Yeah. Um, so I think those kind of moments are uh, so like rewarding in oh, yeah. in why I have been at Glad for so oh my long. Gosh, yeah, as someone who consults to like when the um, Blues Closing You music video came out that oh, I yeah, that I worked on. Yeah, it was so much fun to do, and like I had no idea it would get as big as it did. It was like super exciting, but like I'm now getting like people who I'm mentoring be like that was what sparked me to get into the industry, and I'm like, whoa, the impact of like that one video that I worked on that like Glad helped me out and making sure that that happened, like it, it's just the impact is immeasurable. And it's in these like human to human interactions that like you can really reveal that anecdotally. And like that does, I'm sure, get reflected in the numbers that you're looking at, but it's like the art of analyzing that and like looking at the, the macro and how that influences these just like interpersonal interactions and just like a person's motivation and inspiration for making something cool or like talking to an interesting person and shifting their mind or creating a character in a story. And it's just, it's, we see these trends and these patterns, but they're reflected in these day-to-day -day choices. And I think that that's just really interesting, the way that that all pans out and where we are now compared to when Glee came out. Yeah, I think that's like the, um, uh, the amazing power of storytelling is mm -hmm. kind of having these um, uh, units of communication that you, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you see something or you watch something or read something or whatever it is. And, you know, you either you see yourself in it and maybe it, it teaches you about yourself, but maybe there's also something in it that connects you with another person. So I then, you know, reach out to my friend and say, oh, my God, I saw this. I thought you would love it. Or it made me mm -hmm. think of you or like, look how funny this is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's on every sort of level in terms of, yeah. um you know, even when you're like DMing memes to your friends, yeah. Oh, yeah. like that's still storytelling oh, and gosh, using yeah. it as the recap communication. <laughs> that comes out that then you listen to because you want to like take in more of the story and the analysis and the feedback. Like there's just like such an ecosystem that happens around these shows too. And I think that like it's all a part of the audience becoming a part of the story as well. I think like watching League of Their Own come out and like the Twitter reaction to that and like the podcast that came out about that and like it, be, it was this, like, what, eight-episode show? Or, yeah. And, but, like, the impact of it was so much larger. And, like, it was, like, the... I saw so many people dress up for Halloween with, like, the Peaches costume. I was one of them. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it becomes... 
it's so much larger than just a story. It becomes cultural touchstone, cultural phenomenon. And I think that that's so interesting when you look at kids and family because I'm like, okay, what is like a big, beautiful dream for like creating a trans-led preschool show, let's just say? Like, what if that character was on a kid's backpack one day going into school? And like the implications are enormous and it's exciting. Yeah, I think that was... Um... One of uh, the best things for me about about working with Strange World was thinking, mm. like, you know, especially because I grew up in a little small town. Yeah. Um, you know, not every movie would come to those theaters. So yeah. for a Disney movie that's going to be, you know, shown around the country Huge. in theaters, to have a queer kid that his family entirely accepts him, that's never an issue— he has a crush. He kind of gets together with his crush at the end. Watch mm-hmm. it on Disney Plus. Um, it's great. I love that it. moment of like, oh my god, if I was a kid when this came mm-hmm. out, and even though I am not like a young black man, mm-hmm. I'm like this character would have been everything for me in terms of seeing myself in it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think especially when you're talking about uh, you know young people, there's so much of uh, an impact on those characters that you connect with as a young person that, like, mm-hmm. you feel forever. Like, yeah. me looking back at Mulan and at Belle, oh God, yes. uh, because I'm also a nerd who likes to read, <laughs> was yes. just like, oh, my God, she's like me. She can be a princess and she can read. Uh-huh. And then, you know, Mulan was like, oh, you can fight and you can, like, be strong and do all this stuff yeah. um, and, like, help your family. Um, but, like, you, you know, have those touchstones forever. Mm-hmm. So there is... Um, you know, this interesting thing when it comes to, uh, you know, people who are still developing their yeah. sense of, of self um, and just, you know, letting them be comfortable in that whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like that's, I think that's the, the great part about, um, you know, all these, these shows and, and movies that we're getting now is it's very much, um, and I think, you know, creators have said this, what they needed when they were yeah. a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I made queer kid stuff, because I was like, I wish this is what I had when I was a young person who was looking for language. Yeah, um, yeah and just, I promise we're going to wrap this up, <laughs> but the like, it's so interesting that you brought up um, Strange World, because uh, just like in keeping with these patterns that we're kind of like talking through right now, um, one of the writers, I think the writer on that movie, We Win, um, is a playwright who has been creating queer characters in the kids' space for a really long time. And his play, She Kills Monsters, was something that I read again when I was in college. And now seeing him write a Disney movie is, what a trajectory. I just think that that's so cool and inspiring and, like, is just in in tandem with all everything that we've been talking about, this like nonlinear progress and like how uh, it's so creator driven, but also like, you know, this is a person who's been doing the work for a really long time and like is having a moment that's so well earned um, because of all the work that Glad has been doing with these other projects and, and like pushing them forward and pulling up this person who has so much skill and expertise in this and we can get that out into the world and then that becomes a cultural conversation which, you know, there was a teacher who showed in the classroom in, I believe, Florida and it was a big deal very, very recently and, like, we're continuing to have these back-and-forth cultural conversations about it and that was just a perfect example. 
Um, yeah, I don't want to say that I don't want to take credit for for uh, for his career. But no, 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 no. <laughs> but but it's uh, it's just like really emblematic of what we've been talking about this whole conversation. Okay, oh, again, I can just like talk about this for hours. This is, and you're also like speaking to so many of my special interests, of, like character archetypes and musical theater. <laughs> um, I could keep going, but um, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. Um, it's been really revealing for me to just like talk through some of these patterns and like as someone who's a creator in the trenches and you know, you're kind of like on the other side of that with, with Glad and, and, and shepherding this whatever is happening, right? In TV, film and queer trans representation. It's, uh, I think that Glad and like the relationship with creators and queer and trans creators is just like such an important and beautiful thing that's happened over the last couple of decades. And I'm, it's what makes me really excited for the future of like being a creative, especially when it's like really freaking hard. And you all are just in there with us trying to make it happen as much as we are. And I think that that's just like, that's where the power comes from with all of this. Yeah, I, I do want to do a little plug. Please do, for please do. Some of our uh, creator resources. So we just announced our first uh, Black Queer Creator Summit. So Amazing. we're putting that on in September. The applications are open right now. Uh, we also have our GLAD list. So we've put out mm -hmm. three editions, partnership with uh, the Blacklist, which is uh, an amazing script hosting website. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some of the projects that have come out of that have been Anything's Possible, which was Millie Porter's directorial debut for, mm. for Amazon last year. Um, and Three Months, which is on uh, Paramount Plus and mm. uh, stars Troy Savon as a, a, a movie about mm, a yeah. uh, teen who is uh, going through the three-month waiting period of, of testing to find out um, mm. uh, if he's HIV positive or not and, like, how this summer changes his life. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, there's other things that have been optioned and that, you know, may be coming because the fact that anything ever actually gets made, and <laughs> the fact that anything in Hollywood ever actually gets made and put out is a minor miracle mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of time, a lot of people, a lot of money, mm -hmm. a lot of things just kind of coincidentally falling together into the right way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so there is all this kind of stuff coming out as, as another way that we are, you know, trying to build some of those platforms for, uh, for getting exposure for queer stories. Mm -hmm. We actually expanded it in our third edition from being uh, solely feature-based to now it also has an episodic mm -hmm. um, uh, category in it as well. Um, and we also, in the fall, uh, launched our first... Um, uh, Emmy cohort, which is mm. uh, Entertainment Media Initiative. Hmm. I can't remember the exact letters. I always <laughs> just say Emmy. It's E-M-E-I. Uh, but that is um, a uh, project that our Communities of Color team is leading mm. with uh, Black LGBTQ creators of, of all types of different content um, who are you know, getting a chance to meet each other and make community mm -hmm. um, and people who are at you know, the same part of their career and, and you know, journey as you are, um, but to also meet and make connections with, uh, you know, people in the industry that we can, um, you know, bring in to talk to them. And that's going to be something at the uh, Black Queer Creative Summit as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's all these um, things coming up that are you know, a lot of what we do with the reports is kind of talking about what's already happening. Um, so, you know, it's great to have things like 
the Black Queer Creative Summit and uh, and the Glad List and even more things coming that are, uh, you know, talking about what could be coming mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so that's that's my little my little plug for uh, for you know work with creators and uh, and ways to um, you know engage with with Glad if you are at that sort of um, uh, you know point in your career where you're maybe um, uh, you know early to mid level and you're looking at the Black Queer Creative Summit or mm -hmm. if you are a writer who is submitting things for consideration for the Glad list. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's all these ways to yeah. um, to work with us, and and we try to expand it. You know, as much as we can. We are a small and scrappy team, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. we are a nonprofit, yeah. uh, so we don't have you know all the money in the world. But um, you know, that's what uh, a lot of our um, our programming is is focused on is what's yeah. coming next, both in terms of how can we help build a pipeline, but also yeah. you know with kids and family animation, like what's coming next of um, all of these young people who are seeing all of this content, taking it in, starting to enter the industry mm -hmm. and other industries. Like how are they going to you know shape the world as they get out of yeah. college and start um, start you know, getting jobs and having mm -hmm. access to power and yeah. um, and all of these things where they can, you know, start to change things. So um, it's a really scary time in some ways, but it's also a really, um, I think, hopeful and um, happy time and others that, like, there is um, so much, you know, forward movement happening um, and you know, backlash is always in response to progress. Yeah. Um, so I think it can be easy to focus on the backlash, but I think yeah. if there's anything, you know, to come away with in, uh, you know, during Pride and and uh, after is like, you know, our, our um, new campaign for Pride is you can't ban queer joy. Mm. And that's, you know, messaging that we uh, centered at our, our media awards this year mm -hmm. that like we need to be here and lifting each other up um, and letting people you know know that there is good things out there there is um, you know hope and, and joy and community and celebration um, and so I think that is you know what I I hope people uh you know, walk away with from this conversation that like yeah. change is happening, maybe not as fast as we would all like. Yeah, of course. But, you know, things are moving if you, you know, zoom out and you look at that macro level of where we were just a decade ago to where we are now is, um, it's just a little bit like wild to think sometimes if you, if you put it into that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's been a, a unique thing about my specific job and seat is that I I do have that kind of like 30,000 foot view of like yeah. all the characters and um, you know all the shows and and all of that and so I think that kind of context is um, is really part of that conversation right now of like where are we going next um, and it's I think all kind of based in that like what is happening now and what is um, what is working and what can we push forward so that's what we are doing, pushing forward. What a beautiful way to end this conversation. Thank you 
so much for chatting with me. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you to you, your staff at GLAD. Everybody check out all of the awesome research that comes off of your desk. Please, please check out the Where We Are in TP report, the Studio Accountability. Studio Responsibility. Thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Follow at GLAAD on Twitter. It's the best way to see all of our stuff. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. All right, that was my conversation with Megan Townsend from GLAAD. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know this was a little bit longer than our normal episodes, but we just had so much to get through that I think it was hopefully uh, an informative and hopeful conversation. Thank you so, so much for listening to Rainbow Parenting. We've got two episodes every week coming for you throughout June on Mondays and Fridays. If you are a member of the Queer Kid Stuff Patreon, you get early and ad-free access to all of the Rainbow Parenting episodes that are coming up. Make sure you follow GLAAD, and you can always follow me at Linz Amer, L-I-N-D-Z-A-M-E-R, or Queer Kid Stuff at Queer Kid Stuff on all the social medias. We're really doing a lot on TikTok right now for the Queer Kid Stuff account, so check that out. It's a really fun space right now. I highly, highly recommend the comment section right now. It's sweet and wholesome, and like I'm actually having a good time on the internet for once, which is a, a lovely change of pace. All right, friends, that's all we got for today. Talk soon. Rainbow Parenting is hosted and created by me, Linz Amer. It's produced in partnership with Multitude and is edited by Misha Stanton. The theme music is by Amanda Darchangelis and the logo artwork is by Abe Tenzia.